that. And I know some people would say that, that, that it is wrong, but the Bible teaches that, you know, if you want corn, plant corn. If, 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 you, if you desire to be more financially prosperous, then you can plant your finances as a seed. And so Brother Creflo taught on that from, from two perspectives. The first one being the one that most people understand, at least in the Word of Faith movement, right, that, that, um, that we can plant our finances in faith and believe God for a harvest on those finances. But he said the other side of that was that when we bring our tithe, we're, we're bringing the first fruits of something that we have already received. In other words, if, if you paid your tithe this morning, um, let's say you made $500 this week and you, you brought the Lord uh, His 10%. Um, and notice, we've already received the offerings. This isn't to try to get more money from you. I'm just trying to teach you something here. That if So you made $500 this week and, and you brought God $50, His 10%, um, that the Word says is His, and if you spend it on yourself, you're actually stealing it from Him. He says that if you bring that offering as an expression of your thankfulness for the $500, as opposed to, um, I'm going to plant this money because these are the benefits, and certainly there are. We're not saying there aren't benefits. The Bible is very uh, uh, explicit about the benefits of tithing, the personal benefits of, of giving. Give. Jesus said, give and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, right? Um, give and it'll be given back to you in abundance, in overflowing abundance. So absolutely, positively, the Bible teaches that and we practice that. But what Brother Creflo was talking about, and again, I, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will land this upon your heart the way it landed upon mine. It just came alive on the inside of me. Is that <clears throat> our tithe is saying, hey, Father, we recognize that the finances we just received are because of you. And we, and we are so excited to bring you the first tenth of that to, uh, to tangibly express our thankfulness and to tangibly express our recognition, acknowledgement um, of what you have done and are doing um, in our lives. Brother Creflo said it has absolutely revolutionized their church. He said that during their giving time now that they've been really emphasizing this, he said that, that people are literally getting on their face before God um, with their tithe. Uh, crying out uh, in, in thankfulness and thanksgiving to God. So um, as, as, as you, I know, you know, you're so faithful to, to tithe and to give. Uh, thank you for that. Um, many people's lives are being touched and changed because of what you're doing financially here with the kingdom of God. And so, um, in other words, Pam and I are tithers. I know that you're tithers. So it's not like, oh, well, I think I'll start tithing now. No, we're going to keep tithing, absolutely. But it's just added another level of understanding um, to, to, to the right attitude. When he says that the Father loves a cheerful giver, he's talking about someone that has the right attitude about giving. It's not something done begrudgingly. It's not, it's not something, well, you know, God, a pair of ties or the devourer won't be rebuked. No, it's, it's not that. 
It's an excitement of recognizing that the blessing of the Lord is upon your life and we have the opportunity to, to publicly, tangibly acknowledge what Father is doing uh, in the area of our finances. Amen? Does that help you? Man, it sure helps me. So, amen. Um, I, I almost just wanted to bring my February tithe today. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I'm ready, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to tithe again. Amen. Um, because, uh, again, I am... So, are you thankful for what the Lord is providing for you and your family? Amen. Do you recognize that it's because of Him? That He's the one that's given you the ability to get wealth? That He's the one that's opened up these opportunities of, of, of financial increase? And, and um, it's not that we, again, we absolutely plant financial seed to receive a return on the harvest. But, you know, if we just kind of back away from that for a minute, that mindset and say, hey, you know what? Um, Father, this is what you've done for me. This is, this is how you've blessed me. And here is my opportunity to bring this gift to you uh, as an expression of my thankfulness and recognizing your grace and blessing upon my life. Amen? All right, praise God. Let's go to um, the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1 this morning. Colossians chapter 1, amen. If you're a guest with us today, or uh, we welcome you. We're so thankful that you're here. Um, we have been looking at what the Bible teaches us concerning the blessing of the Lord upon our lives. And we're really wanting to bring our thinking and our understanding into alignment with the Word of God where these things are concerned. Uh, many times we confuse what God's blessing upon us produces the, the product that's produced by the blessing as being the blessing. In other words, you, there's, a, there's an absolute cause and effect. Do you understand cause and effect? When one thing produces a, 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 another thing or another result. And many times we look at the results produced by the blessing and we call the result the blessing. Now, I... I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know, you're going to hell because you've got this confused. That's, no, no, it's not, it's not that. But where this affects us and hinders us is, is in we don't, we don't understand, you know, where our faith uh, should be invested, right? And a lot of times because people don't understand the cause and effect associated with God's blessing upon a person, is we have the tendency to think that it's random. Um, or we even, you know, heaven help us, we're, we're not going to make this mistake anymore, but, but people refer to, to the results produced by God's blessing on our lives as luck. Man, he is so lucky. You know, our good fortune. No, no, it's not good fortune. We, we don't believe in, in fortune. Amen. Um, all that implies... Uh, happenstance that you know roll of the dice and it just so happened that you know you hit snake eyes today and something good's going to happen to you today no the Bible says it this way in Proverbs 10 and 22 the blessing of the Lord makes one rich so notice the result here would be financial wealth that's the effect produced by a cause the cause in other words, what's making someone rich? The blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Now, again, I'm not here to try to teach all this this morning. 
Um, but don't be confused by what the world means when it says rich and what God means when He says rich. That's where a lot of people get off. Um, and I'm not talking about both sides of my mouth. Um, in other words, Father God wants to increase you financially. Is there any parent in this room that wants their children to be broke, their cars being repossessed, you know, power being turned off? Because can't? No, we, we want our children to, to, to be provided for. We want our children to have what they need. Um, is there any parent in this room that only wants their children to have what, you know, bare necessities of life? No, we want them to also have things that they desire and, and, and for them to enjoy uh, those things. And so our Heavenly Father, again, he, we get that from Him. And, and, the, and, the, and the Bible clearly explains this. So when I say what the world means by rich versus what God means by rich, um, it's two different things. But a lot of times the next thing that comes out of somebody's mouth, <laughs> what God means by rich is nothing to do with, with, with things or material possessions. And it absolutely includes material possessions. Jesus taught us about this in Matthew 5. The clothes that you need, the food that you need, the shelter that you need. Father knows what you have need of these things, and He tells us how to have these things. Okay? But the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Amen. This is talking about the material things, but it's also talking about things that material things can never produce. Things like rest, things like peace of mind. Um, in Ecclesiastes 5, He talks about uh, defining a blessed man as someone who enjoys what they have. Do you realize there are a lot of people who have a lot of things that they can't enjoy it? They can't rest at night. They, 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 there's, they, they, they. Keith Moore said it this way. Keith Moore said there are a lot of people who have a lot of money, but it doesn't mean they're blessed. It doesn't mean they're blessed. So there's cause and effect. Let's go back to it. Proverbs 22. The blessing makes one rich. So the blessing is an empowerment. The blessing is, is a producer. The, the blessing of the Lord upon a person's life has the power and ability to make um, and produce results uh, in a person's life. Okay? Uh, Brother Copeland says it this way. People often say, you know, they, they get healed and they say, you know, they refer to their healing as a blessing. Well, certainly it is, but he says it this way. I'm not blessed because I'm healed. I'm healed because I'm blessed. In other words, the same blessing that makes one rich is the same blessing that makes one healthy, is the same blessing that makes one wise, is the same blessing that makes, right? You, you follow what I'm saying? And so what we've been looking at, and I know you're in Colossians 1. Stay there with me for a moment, okay? Um, but what we've, our foundational scripture, again, review for a lot of you, for those of you who are new to the study, Galatians 3 says that Jesus became a curse for you and me. Literally came under the curse that was on top of us and had us pinned down in life. Created a ceiling we could never rise above in life. Jesus came under that curse with us, lifted it off of us, and carried it away. So that the blessing of Abraham could come upon you and me. Upon non-biological descendants of Abraham, upon, upon the Gentiles. Are you still with me this morning? Amen. Are you good? Okay. All right. Just a, you know, a little sign of life every now and then is all, you know, I can preach without that, but it, it helps. Amen. All right. So 
<laughs> ah! All right, so we've been learning then about you know, qualifying for this blessing. We see the blessing was on Adam and Eve, but they sinned and disqualified themselves. We then see this blessing was placed upon Noah and his family. Um, and, and, uh, and then we see the blessing was placed upon Abraham. And this is the blessing the Bible says that, that we have now as children of God, that we have inherited this blessing. We've inherited uh, this blessing. And there's so much confusion today in the world about, you know, what, it, what is required of you and me to be blessed by God. How do we qualify? That's the word that we're going to see here in just a moment in, in Colossians 1. How do we qualify for this blessing, right? And, and so the, the popular answers, either stated or unstated, is people believe, well, you qualify for the blessing by being good by obeying the commandments and that if you obey enough commandments long enough then God will owe you a blessing and, and he'll do something good for you. But that's not how it works anymore. That's, that was the old covenant system but we're not under that system anymore. We're under a new system. Are you still with me this morning? This is, I, you say, Pastor Mark, how many times are you going to say this? As many times as it takes. Amen. We Praise God. Let me, I'm going to find it in my notes. I, thank you, Holy Spirit. He, he spoke something really simple to me this morning. Um, let's see. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. When you truly believe you've been qualified for the blessing, you will stop trying to qualify yourself. When you truly believe you're qualified, you'll quit trying to qualify yourself. So much of, 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 of what people do, it's like, well, you know, I'd rather be at home sleeping in this morning. It's, you know, kind of cold outside. But, you know, I mean, if we want to be blessed, we've got to go to church. If we want God to do something for us, we want God to... See, do you think... Would you want anybody in your life that you love to have that attitude towards you? Would you... Are you sure... Would you want anybody in your life to feel like they've got to? Well, you know, I really don't want to be around them, but, you know, I mean, they won't be nice to me. Now, again, Father doesn't desire that either. Amen. He said when you truly believe you've been qualified for the blessing, you'll stop trying to qualify yourself. So much of what people do in the name of God and in the religion and church and whatever in the body of Christ today is, is an exercise, a futile one I might add, is an exercise in trying to qualify themselves for something that only receiving justification by faith will qualify you for. Only way to be qualified is to be justified. The only way to be justified is to receive the gift of salvation and the one who knew no sin that became sin for you and me so that we might become His righteousness, being made justified before Father, before God in the eyes of God. Amen. All right, let's, um, let's dig into this. Praise God. That's enough, I think, of reviewing. Um, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, let me go ahead and tell you, in any time in the Scriptures you see fruitful or you see multiply, He's talking about a result produced by the blessing of God upon a man or a woman's life. Amen. Fruitful 
and multiply. There are other things that are associated with it. Um, one of the things that, one of the studies that I've done recently is to, is to go through and look every time in the, in the Scriptures that we see these words. And they're always either directly or indirectly referring to God's blessing upon a person. We go all the way back to the law of first mention. The first time something is mentioned in Scripture, it's in Genesis chapter 1, where the Bible says God blessed Adam, right? He blessed, he blessed them and then said to them, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, replenish the earth, subdue anything that gets out of alignment or order. Praise God. All right, so being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Again, really fancy words, beautiful words. He's basically saying that you would be strengthened with might from God to hang in there, amen, to not quit, to not give up, to, 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 to be patient, and long-suffering, that's talking about uh, being, being patient and enduring uh, in circumstances and also to, to be patient and enduring with other people. Amen. With patience and long-suffering, with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm gonna, I was having some issues a moment ago with the, uh, with the remote controls. I want to try to put some of these verses on the screen uh, behind me. But let's, uh, let's forsake a time. We'll just keep plowing ahead here. Now, there's a lot here, and given the way we meet, you know, in other words, twice on Sunday and, and these kinds of things, it, it calls for me giving you pieces of it. I, I, in other words, it would take hours to um, work our way through all the verses that um, I just read to you this morning. The key thing we're focusing in on here is that who's qualified us? He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. This inheritance that he's talking about here is the blessing, this empowerment, this enhancement, this enablement that comes from heaven, from God, and rests upon a man or a woman's life here upon the earth, enabling them to be fruitful, enabling them to multiply, and enabling them to succeed. To prosper. One definition for the blessing is an empowerment upon your life to prosper. Amen. Are you still with me? I'm not making this stuff up, man. This is good news. As I've said before, and I'll say it again, if you're not excited about this, it's, it has to be because you don't understand it yet. There's something here to get excited about. I mean, people that don't believe in God or know God, this is the stuff that they're looking for in life. They're looking for some advantage. They're looking for something to, to, to put them uh, uh, you know, uh, in a position to succeed. Some, something extra, amen, to, to, to make a difference in their lives. And, and, and again, this is what, what they're looking for is what God calls the blessing, amen. And so we said the only way to receive the blessing of Abraham is to inherit it from him. 
But the good news, of course, is Galatians 3 makes the case by the Holy Spirit that we are heirs of Abraham because we've been born of the seed of Abraham, not seeds as of many, but seed as of one. The promise that God made to Abraham's seed was not made to all of his biological descendants per se, but again, the Holy Spirit uh, reveals to us in Galatians 3 that the seed is capital S, that being Jesus. And because Jesus is the heir of that promise and we are members of his body, that we now are heirs of that blessing. And so he's saying that we've been qualified to partake of the inheritance. We've been qualified uh, to have equal part in this blessing. I, man, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to stay focused. I got, there's a certain target I'm trying to hit this morning. But let me, I'm, gonna, I'm not just stepping aside from the notes, literally, by moving to the left of the pulpit, <laughs> right if you're facing it, Amen. Um, I'm, moving, I'm moving away from it because I want to talk to you for just something that's not in my notes. But, but listen to me, please. When a group of rogue nations decided that they were going to invade and exert their authority over neighboring nations, led by... Um, one Cheddar Leomar, maybe you've read him, about him in the book of Genesis. I like to call him Bacon Cheddar Leomar, but just, amen, to help you remember. Amen. Um, they, they went in and took all those possessions, made the people slaves, and it just so happens that they took Abraham's nephew Lot and his family, his children, and all of his stuff. Well, the other surrounding nations tried to defend themselves, but they were quickly overrun by this bully, this thug. Abraham, again, the blessing that is upon him, Abraham takes 300 plus the Bible says these were servants born in his house. Amen. We might say it this way. Children of his employees. He took 300 of the children of his employees, armed them. Only one person in this room that I know has got enough artillery to arm that many folks, but armed them. And then went and overthrew Chedorlaomer Omar and all the thug kings that had aligned themselves with him. Took back Lot and Lot's lunch money, if you will. Took, took everything back. Amen. And all returned safely. Now, Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God, comes out to meet Abraham, and the first thing Abraham did was what? He paid him a tithe of everything that he had just recovered. The other kings came to Abraham and they said, Look, man, we, we're so thankful for what you did for us. This is how this is going to work. You keep the stuff and we'll take all the people to be our slaves. 
And Abraham said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He said, the only thing that I'm going to keep from you is what my men have eaten. They're basically uh, room and board. He said, because no one is ever going to be able to say, I made Abraham rich. He actually said it this way. He said, I have already raised my hand to the Most High God. He said, you've come to me for allegiance. My allegiance belongs to somebody else. You've come to me to, to make me your partner. I've already partnered with somebody else. And no one will ever be able to say, Abraham's rich because of us. Now, this impressed the Lord. Do you remember what the Lord said to him? He said, Abraham, I am your shield. I'm trying to get you excited about being blessed. Abraham, I am your shield. And I am your exceeding great reward. What is he saying there? What is God saying? God is saying, Abraham, I am your protection and I am your compensation. Think about what God had just said to him. Now, why am I telling you this this morning? This is the blessing of Abraham. This is the blessing that you've inherited. This is the blessing that belongs to you. This is the blessing that is not activated in your life by good works. This is the blessing in your life that's activated by faith. If you are a born again man or woman this morning, you need to begin to believe God is my shield. God is my protector. God is my compensation. Do you see what he's saying right there? We, I mean, I was thinking about different, you know, obviously our governmental officials, they have, um, what is, is it the Secret Service that protects our president, I believe? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, I remember when the first President Bush came to Hoover many, many years ago, and I happened to be a 911 operator, police, dis, police and fire dispatcher for the city of Hoover during those days, and so obviously they partnered with the, the Hoover Police Department uh, to provide security for our president. Now this was, again, I can only imagine what it's like now. If, if you were anywhere near the Galleria property that day, they got your tag number. They wrote down every tag number in the parking deck, in the, I mean, again, the, the level of security and protection you probably can put these pieces together. I'm not trying to reveal things that I shouldn't have revealed, but our, there's not just one uh, presidential limousine. You know what I'm saying? In other words, the one in Hoover that day that everybody thought President Bush was in, he wasn't in that one. I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, he wasn't in that one, okay? It's, it, I mean, again, the level of protection what we're talking about here is protection for you and your family that, that goes 
light years beyond that. Well, praise the name of the living God. Amen. I'm just going to keep on. I'm just I'm going to keep on. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've inherited this blessing. And we qualify for it not because of what we've done to deserve it, but because of the gift that has been given to us. Now, let me take the last few minutes that I have this morning to, to bear down on what I feel like I'm here to talk about uh, today. It's um, verse number 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled. Come on now. That you may be filled. That I may be filled. That you as an individual, that me, Mark Winslet, may be filled. That you, Michael Wilson, may be filled. Amen. That you may be filled. Personalize this name. He's talking about you as an individual. Somebody else knowing the will of God is no substitute for you knowing the will of God. Somebody else being filled with the knowledge of His will, as good as that is for that individual, it's not going to do very much to help you. Amen. That you may be filled, that you may be filled. That word filled there means like just to complete capacity. That you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I want to talk to you again in the few minutes we have left about this knowledge of His will, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. We were created by God to be one with Him. We were created by God to live our daily lives as one with Him, listen to me now, by walking in harmony with Him, by walking in agreement with Him. Now, legally, if you've been born again, you have been made one with God. When you were born again, the, the old spirit and nature that was in you died with Jesus. And when you were, you were raised up, the Bible teaches, together with Him to newness of life. You became a new creation. The, the born again spirit inside of you is not the old one that used to be there refurbished. Okay? You, you, you were not refurbished, you were recreated. Amen. And you have a, a newly born again spirit, and that newly born again spirit became one spirit with God's spirit. You received God's spirit, and God's Holy Spirit now dwelling inside of you became one spirit with your newly born again spirit. My brother, my sister, you have become one with God. That's the legal side of this. The vital side of this is you and me learning how to walk as one with Him, to live in harmony with Him. Pam and I are legally married, but legally married is important, but vitally married is where the joy is. There are a lot of husbands and wives who are legally married that haven't spoken to one another in several days. Right? So the vital union, the vital harmony, this is where we walk it out, where we live it out. Amen. So we were created by God to be one with Him. We were created by God to live as one with Him and to walk in harmony with Him. The Scripture, don't turn there, let me just give it to you right quick. The Scripture says in Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? In other words, we were not just created to be made one with God uh, through the new birth on a legal 
uh, spirit level, but for us to also walk together with Him in harmony on a vital level, on a, on a daily level, a life reality level, okay? So our ability to accomplish and enjoy this opportunity that we have with God to walk as one with Him, our ability to accomplish and enjoy this depends greatly upon our understanding of His will. Of His will. I used my marriage to Pam as an example. We've been married 33 years in July. We've been together a long time. Again, we were legally married July the 10th, 1987. We became man and wife. Not just in the eyes of the state of Alabama, but in the eyes of God Himself. We entered into a covenant before God with one another. And God made us one. He joined us together at, a, at the spirit level of our existence. He made us one. Amen. Now here's the thing. We went down the aisle. We went to our uh, you know, uh, reception and went on our honeymoon, right? And guess what? I, I still had my will and she still has hers. You, you follow what I'm saying? The secret to a successful marriage is, is to how to blend those two wheels together in harmony. For the differences that, that you have with your spouse as far as your will and their will, her will or his will, right? For those differences not to, to uh, combat one another, but to complement one another. Amen. So how can two walk together lest they be agreed? We've been given the opportunity to walk as one, to live as one, to walk in harmony with our Creator Father. But how can we ever do that if we don't know what His will is? How can we ever bring our will into alignment with His will if we are clueless when it comes to what He actually wills? Amen. What His actual will is and what it is that He wills or desires. There's different ways Amen to understand this. Now, the simplest way, you still with me? The simplest way to define the will of God. Now, when I say simple, there's going to be a little more to it than this. But I want to start with just the most simple, basic way that, that, that the Holy Spirit has shown me to do it. Amen. And so the simplest way to define the will of God is to think of it as what He wants. As to think, to think of it as what as, as what He wants, okay? So, again, the will of God or, or the want of God, what God, what He wants for you. We could be more, you know, uh, sound more educated, what He desires for you, okay? Now, you with me so far? All right? So, Amen. I apologize, I keep, I keep losing my place here. Amen, thank you, Jesus. So reading from my notes, the simplest way to define the will of God is to think of it as what He wants. The will of God for your life is what God wants, if you're taking notes, write this down, what God wants from you and for you. what He wants from you and what He wants for you. See, sadly, most people only understand the will of God 
as being what God wants from us, or what God expects from us, or what God is looking for out of us. Okay? Well, listen to me, please. There are things that God wants from you. There are things that He wants from me. His will for me involves what He desires from me, but His will for me also includes what He wants for me what He wants for me to have, what He wants my life to look like, what He wants my life to be like. His desire, what He wants from me, what He wants for me. Notice now, when Paul says, I'm praying that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, he's praying that we will know what God wants from us and that we will know what God wants for us. Let me ask you this morning, do you know what He wants from you? And do you know what He wants for you? My experience, my experience, and, and I've been, uh, you know, in church nine months before I was born, okay? I've been, I've, been in, I've been in church, a lot of churches around a lot of church people. And my experience is most do not know what it is that God really wants from them, and most don't really understand what God wants for them. A lot of people are confused in the body of Christ today when it comes to what God wants from you and what He wants for you. And because of that, they're not walking in harmony with Him. They're, I've seen folks, man, just trying so hard to, to give God what He wants, and yet what they're doing is not what He wants. It's not what He wants. He didn't even ask them to do it. They think that, that you know, this is, this is the way to please God. This is what God's looking for out of me. This is why he said things like, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. My brother, my sister, please hear me. In, obedience is important, but God is looking for something more than just obedience from you. There are a whole lot of people who are trying their best to obey God, but they are not doing it from a willing heart. God does not want that from you. It actually becomes counterproductive to what he really wants. Because what he really wants from you more than anything else is fellowship. But when we buy into this idea that what God wants from us is perfection, our efforts to be perfect while still in an imperfected state cause us to pull away from him. It actually becomes counterproductive to the very thing that he wants from you the most. Amen? Now, again, do you know what God wants from you? Do you know what God wants for you? Here's the amazing thing. I could spend the rest of the day just teaching on this one sentence. God's will for your life predates the beginning of your life. Before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, God had already established what He wanted from you and what He wants for you. Before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, for that matter, before Adam was ever created, the father of us all, Father had already written it down in a book, what He wants from you and what He wants for you. It may be confusing on our side, but it is not confusing on God's. 
We may not understand this. It may be vague. It may be ambiguous. It may be all those other big words like mayonnaise on our side of it. It is, it is crystal clear. As a matter of fact, this was so important that before Father God ever created you, He made sure it was put in writing. What He wants from you and what He wants for you. Amen? God's will for your life predates the beginning of your life. He wrote it in a book before you lived your first day on this planet. And His will for you is not cold and calculated. Because see, again, you hear, you hear written in a book, it almost sounds like something that's, you know, just blow the dust off of it, you know, see what archaic thing it is that God wants us to do again. No, no. While it predates the beginning of your life, was written in a book before you lived your first day on this planet, what He wants for you and from you is not cold and calculated, but it's living. And are you ready for this? You know what I found out? It's also flexible. Not that it changes. Not that it changes on His side. But the reason it's living and flexible is because of my mistakes. I've told the story before, I'll tell it again and then we'll finish the service. First time I'd ever driven an automobile with GPS. I was in Franklin, Tennessee and I was trying to find the Costco there. And I, I put that in the GPS and all of a sudden the voice comes over the audio system in the car in so many hundred feet turn right and so many this turn right again or what have you and I was like Pam was in the front seat there with me I was like just I'm like looking up through the sunroof like how did they know I'm not really I was like in awe of this and I'm trying to somehow think about how this could work like this, especially with the distance to my next turn. Because, you know, I'm thinking like a map, and, and I got the map on the screen, but it knows where I am relative to that map. And, and so part out of curiosity, part out of just trying to understand how it works, my next turn was supposed to be a right, and I deliberately took a left. I mean, Costco is a distant memory now. I'm like, I'm, I'm fascinated, right? I took a left, and keep in mind, this was an older one of these. It's, they've gotten much better now, but the screen went blank, and I thought, okay, I, I done outsmarted it now. And then a word came up. It said recalculating, 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 recalculating. And then it started telling me how to get to Costco from my new position. You see, I took some wrong turns, but my destination hasn't changed.
And my friend, the Lord knows how to get you where you're supposed to be, no matter where you are this morning. Amen. That's what I mean by His will is flexible. It's flexible. I don't mean it changes. My friend, his, the will, what He wants for you and from you that was written before you ever lived, it'll be the, it, it won't change a thousand years from now. It won't change 5,000 years from now. But, but Father understands that, you know, we're still learning and growing. And He's able to bring us from wherever we may be in life, he's able from that place to bring us into harmony with himself. Amen. Amen. Singers and musicians, would you please come? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, as we stand before you this morning, we do so, sir, believing the love that you have for us. Believing, Father, that you only want good for us. And even the things that you desire from us, Father, our souls were created to want those things. The things, Father, that you want from us are things that we all want from ourselves, Lord. It's all things that we want to experience. The things that you long for us to have, Father, are things that people who don't even know you yet, Father, there's something in them that wants those things in their lives, Father. It's because you created us. You created us, Father. To, to want for ourselves what you want for us, and you created us to want from ourselves what you want from us. Help us, Father, come to terms with these things. Help us, Father, this morning know with absolute certainty and confidence what it is that you want from us and what it is that you want for us so that we would never waste another precious moment of our lives going after other things. That we may be filled with the knowledge of your will. Father, I thank you that you have called us and you are drawing us to a higher place from faith to faith, from grace for grace, from glory to glory. Your call upon us as individuals, your call upon us as families, and your call upon us as a family of faith is an upward call. 
Father, you want more from us because you desire more for us. Help us understand that, Lord, today. Father, that we would walk in the fullness of your blessing, the fullness of your provision, the fullness of your protection. You are our compensation. You are our shield. You are the one who protects us. You are the one who provides for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, if there's anyone standing here this morning that's sick in their body, anyone that's standing here this morning, Father, that's in pain of any kind, Father, from sinus pressure to uh, toothache, Lord, to um, things more severe and more chronic, we release by faith your healing in this room. We say be healed in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that healing is the children's bread. Healing is our birthright. Healing is part of the blessing, Lord, that we have inherited. Healing is one of those things that you want for us. You want us to be healthy and healed. May we know that healing is your will. May we know that healing and health and, and, and living our lives free from pain and physical suffering, Father. May we, may we recognize that as one of the many things that you desire for us. And we lay hold of that now. We receive that now. By faith. In Jesus' name, say it with me. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. Come on, a little more confident than that. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. My blessing. My blessing. The blessing I've inherited. The blessing I've inherited. And I believe I receive. And I believe I receive. The effect of healing. The effect of healing. Physical healing. Physical healing. In my body. In my body. Right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Let's sing together before we're dismissed. If you'd like someone to pray with you, lay hands on you, agree with you, we'll be happy to do that. Can we just spend a moment in His, in His presence? When's the last time you've asked Him, Father, what do you really want from me? What do you really want from me? Father, what, what is it that you really want for me? His will, His will, His will. I'm going to show you tonight that Virtually no one disagrees with what God wants from them or what God wants for them. But where the disagreement comes into play is the ways of going about those things. Amen. Amen. But let's worship Him for a moment. Ask Him those questions. Let Him speak to your heart. And then we'll be dismissed. Praise God.